listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Welcome to the Business of Baking podcast. I'm super excited today because not only do I get to talk to somebody awesome, but I get to fangirl all over the place. Today, I'm going to be talking to Georgian Bell. You might know her a little bit better as Lala Loa from lalaloa.com. I'm super excited to be talking to a cookier today because I know you guys are used to me talking to cake legends, but today I get to talk to a cookie legend because after all, this is the business of baking. You could be baking cookies, right? So among other things, Georgianne is um, part of a military family. She's a mom to four kids um, all under the age of 10, which of course makes her just legendary in my mind anyway. Um, she wrote the Cookie Companion book, which came along with its own set of cookie cutters as well. She's also made custom cookie cutter designs for Anne Clark. She's a cookie con presenter. She was the Cookie Connection Educator of the Year in 2015. She's a craftsy instructor. She teaches in-person classes. Somewhere in there, she manages to run a blog pretty much full-time, and basically, she's an all-around cookie goddess, and we should all aspire to be her when we grow up pretty much is the plan. Well, that's my plan anyway. I need you at my house, like just, just telling me this every night when my kids are like, I hate you. I'm just going to repeat this. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like, but Michelle thinks I'm cool, right? So but I'm Michelle ex- said. Exactly, but Michelle said. So I'm excited to speak to Georgianne today, not only because she obviously has this amazing career and reputation in, in, our, in our shared industry of baking, but also because I have often wondered how cookiers make money. And I know that sounds really um, kind of funny to say, but it's because I look at cake and I think, yep, it's this huge item and it's a centerpiece for an event or whatever. And it's although it's not easy to get people to pay for stuff, it's not all that hard either because it's easy to see a value in something that's like three feet tall. But when we're talking about cookies that are like four inches long, I always wondered about that. So I'm excited to be talking to a cookier and hear how they do it on the other side of the tiny product. So this is a blog about the business side of baking. And so I promise that I will not ask you for help on that infamous chocolate cookie recipe. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is like that chocolate cookie recipe, I have seen it, I think 10,000 times in 10,000 places. And I'm sure like you get a million emails from people going, is bleached flour the same as white flour or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's so true. So I've read, and it's easy to find on the internet, how you got started with cookies, which is that, you know, for those of you who don't know, Georgian actually started as a cake maker (laughs) and then ditched that for cookies. So let's not hold that against her. But what I really want to know is, and I think I'm hoping that people listening to this want to know is, when did it go for you from just being like a hobby to actually being a business? Because this is now your full-time gig, right? Yep, absolutely. So... You were doing it for fun, and then what? Um, and I'm still doing it for fun. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. That's good to know. <laughs> no, I mean, I just got probably more obsessed with it over time, and it took over more of my life, and then here I am. I mean, I don't know that, like, if you ask me, like, when did you, you know, like, when did this start working for you? I'd be, I would tell you like maybe two weeks ago, you know, like it's never at a point where I'm like, I am awesome. Like I have hit my goal. Like I am just good to go. Like it's, it's always just something that I, I love decorating cookies, but I also love sharing how I do it. So I think for me, I'm always trying to figure out like how to do that better. Um, and it just kind of worked out that it turned into a business. <laughs> like that wasn't, it wasn't my intention to start out having a successful blog. It just kind of turned into that, which is awesome for me. And then over time, you know, again, I just constantly reevaluating how I can do it better, like the little things I can change. And you know, like you said, now I'm teaching, I have a book, I have a blog and it's just kind of awesome. <laughs> 
kind of is the understatement of the century. It's extremely <laughs> awesome. I actually went and looked at your blog a couple of days ago in preparation for this interview, and I got totally lost in there <laughs> for like hours. <laughs> and just in particular, those videos, I'm like, wow, I could so do this. I could like make graduation scroll cookies now or whatever. I was very excited. See, that is my goal. That is my goal to convince people that they can do it. It's like I'm hypnotizing you with my video tutorials. You can do it. You can do it. Here's the thing, Joanne. <laughs> Confession time. I know I can do it. Whether or not I actually do do it, it's like a whole story, <laughs> really. So you would say, so you would say there's no point where you kind of went, yep, I'm now doing this as a real full-time legitimate gig. Because one of the things a lot of creative people struggle with is this feeling of being a fraud. I hear this a lot. Michelle, I feel like yes. I'm a fraud. My, my customers are going to find out I don't really know what I'm doing. When it comes to business, I'm just flying <laughs> my pants. I get a lot of people who are actually quite intimidated quite intimidated of me, actually. And they don't want to admit to me that they're just bullshit. You know, they're just rubbishing their way around figuring out their pricing. <laughs> so do you, do you ever feel that? Do you ever feel like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just like, kind of hoping it turns out okay. Always, always. Like every single class that I teach, I think, oh, I hope people walk away from that happy instead of wondering what they signed up for. I think that as creative people, when we do create, it, it's a piece of our soul that we're putting out there and you don't sell your soul. You know what I mean? So to say that like, that's a business, we're always kind of like, um, I kind of like it. I feel like if I'm legit, like I have to hate it. So since I still like it, like, am I really legit? Like even, I, I mean, I don't feel like I'm legit, you know, and I do a ton of stuff, but I, I think I will always wonder, like, is that good enough? Is that right? Will people appreciate it? Because it's that little piece of me that I'm putting out there. Like it, it's me, like, do people appreciate me, not just my craft because that craft is part of me. Do you think it feels kind of and I wrong? think everyone struggles with that. Do you think it feels kind of wrong? Yes, right? From something like, you just like doing? Something you love. Yes, like you should just be doing it for free, right? Well, just like you know. just be doing it and enjoying it. I want to know who's <laughs> the person who is like, work is something you have to not like. What? Right? I don't know that I... I you love it. Yeah, I think you can love it, actually. So tell me a bit about... I mean, that's like everyone's dream, though, right? Like to love what you do. It just seems, I think, wrong because so many people hate their job. It's like so trendy to be like, oh, I hate my job. It's the worst. And then you're like, eh, I love my job. I'll just pretend like I don't, but I do love it. I, <laughs> I, I, completely, I, <laughs> I completely love my job, actually. But I have to say that I, I never had a time in my life where I hated my job because I could always see that maybe I don't necessarily like the details of this job, but it's getting me to the next thing. So I never, I see every job. Yeah, the progress. Yeah, I see every job in life as a stepping stone to another one. So I never really hate, yeah, I've only had a couple of times where I've really hated stuff and then I tended to leave after like five <laughs> minutes. I'm like, I'm over this now. Right, like why do something you hate? <laughs> really, right? So, so Good for you. even though we can't, pinpoint a point in time where you felt like you're legit because you're still looking for that. La La Loa is now your full-time <laughs> Yes? Yes, absolutely. Do you do private orders at all? Um, I do still take custom orders, but um, it's pretty rare and they have to be like themes that I just, that bring joy to my heart. And they also have to coincide with days that aren't already flowing with my endless blog tasks. Um, I actually do feel like the luckiest girl in all the land because I really, really enjoy being at that point that I have flexibility to take the orders that I love or to just pass on the orders that kind of make me cringe inside. And so basically you, I do what I want. Right. Well, no wonder you love your job and feel like you're faking it because you do whatever <laughs> you want. Okay. So the income, for, the income for La La Loa though would come from a number of things, right? So we've got Craftsy, yeah. we've got Book, we've got, and the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because I am of the opinion that certainly cake makers can no longer rely only on private orders to make them a living. I think it's too, yeah. I think it's too challenging with the number of other people that are out there. I think it's also too challenging from a seasonal point of view, you know, cake cookies, not as much, but cake is very seasonal, you know, high season for us is when the weather's good. Right. So that's like summer and spring. Um, and then obviously in the winter, people don't have as many parties, not as many weddings, whatever. And so I have said now for a very long time that I think you need to diversify your income. If what you're planning is a long-term sustainable business, which makes you a reasonable living. So, 
This now would also be true, obviously, for cookie people, right? So in your own case, yeah, you, you do live classes, you get book royalties, yep. I imagine, craftsy royalties, I imagine. I imagine you probably have mm-hmm. ads on the website or whatever. Is, yep. is, so you probably have, I, don't, I haven't actually listed them all, but you probably have six or seven different forms of income, but is the blog the main one? Like the blog itself? Um, I think it's a toss up right now between live classes and my blog itself. And They're the blog itself income. The top two revenue streams. Right. And so the blog itself income comes from advertising mostly? Yep. Yep. Exactly. So there is a lot, and I, I don't mean to get all controversial on you. Actually, yeah, I kind of do. Um, Ooh, so please there- do. I love controversy. <laughs> right. There is a lot of buzz in the cake community at the moment about getting into blogging as a form of income. Now, I have a really, as somebody who runs a blog, which is her primary income, and it's actually my second blog, um, my own opinion on this is that I think blogging is a great thing, right? It's fun. It's interesting. It's great for SEO. It can be a good thing to add to an existing business, but it is not a get-rich-quick scheme by any <laughs> In my, in my opinion, it takes a really long time. I know you're laughing. So hopefully that means you agree with me, but it it takes a really long time to build an audience. It takes a hell of a long time to craft a blog post, right? It's not just the post, it's the pretty photos, whatever. And there's a certain amount of consistency you have to devote to it. I mean, if you're going to start a blog and write one article every three months, well, you're not building that audience. And then there's marketing behind that. You can't just write a blog and hope like, you know, if they, if I build it, they will come kind of thing. So I guess, <laughs> I guess I feel a little bit like disloyal telling people like, don't start a blog and think you're going to make a bunch of money out of it when that's obviously what happened for you and obviously what's happened for me. But I'm curious what you would say to these cake makers who now think that blogging is like, I don't know, the second coming. The next big thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's what well, I, I mean. Like you <laughs> And like you said, though, I mean, it's super tricky because, you know, it is kind of awesome. I mean, I get to be a mom all the time and have a career at the same time, but it does come at a cost. And that cost is time and hard work and sleepless nights. And I think that anyone who starts a blog solely for the purpose of monetizing it and getting rich is going to be absolutely miserable. You have to have a passion for it. The work itself has to bring you joy or you'll never be able to keep it up long enough to actually make money blogging. Because, um, like you said, like, like it can be like an alternate revenue stream, but it doesn't happen right away. The, the first month I, that I started monetizing, I was three months into my blog and I made $1.76 in advertising. Wow. And by like a year, a year later, I'd made like $21 a month. You know, like, like it doesn't just happen overnight. And something that you're talking about, like all the hours it takes to make a blog post. I was recently talking with um, Callie Alvarado from Sweet Sugar Bell, and we were just listing out the hours it takes to do a blog post. Like for me, you know, designing the cookies, baking, um, like making the icing, the cleanup, the actual decorating, the drying, the photos, the editing, writing the post, editing it again, publishing it, all the social media. It adds up to about 30 hours for just one blog post. But I feel like a blog is more like, um, I don't know if you have certificates of deposits or CDs at banks there in Australia, but it's like you put your money in and it earns interest over time. And I feel like every blog post is like a CD that's going to earn interest. And you're basically living off the interest. And the more you have on that blog, the more that you're going to earn. But one blog post isn't going to make you a millionaire. A hundred blog posts aren't going to make you a millionaire. You have to just keep on going just like just like you would with savings you just have to keep putting it in you just have to keep doing the work but it's not something that you're just gonna oh I've got 10 minutes while I'm waiting in the pickup line at the school I think I'll do a blog post and get rich that's I think that's that's the idea you know it's like oh this will be easy I'm already making cakes already like I'll just whip up a quick blog post but I can make I can make two dozen cookies in an evening But if I'm doing a blog post on those two dozen cookies, it takes me almost a week to get them all done with the photos and everything. It just takes so much more time than people realize that they're going to have to put in. And without that passion for it, it's never really going to work for them. Consistency is key is what we're saying. You have to be willing to keep showing up with no return until the return comes. Yes. 
over and over and over again. <laughs> so I love this. So three months in, you were making a dollar a month, and a year later, it yeah. went to the enormous sum of 20-something bucks a month. <laughs> I felt like a millionaire. Like, I was recovering all of my supplies with that. <laughs> it's like, I had it made at $20. <laughs> it, it's unbelievable, actually, how much people don't realize. Like, yeah, 20 bucks. Well, that's like a 200% increase or whatever it is. You've been like, hey, I'm a gajillionaire. I mean, people often, <laughs> me too. I wrote my blog for a solid, God, I think year, if not more, before I ever made a dollar out of it. I started the business of baking uh, primarily because I was not happy with the direction that the industry was going. I was really upset at how many people went into the industry and were acting in an unprofessional way. And I was getting frustrated with the number of people calling me being like, Michelle, can I take you out for a coffee <laughs> your brain or whatever? And I started the Teach blog. Teach me everything you know in 12 minutes. <laughs> right, right. And I started the blog as a response to that. I'm like, I'm going to create something. I'm just going to tell my story of how I ran my business. And hopefully someday it'll be helpful to people. If you would have told me four years ago now, that this will be your full-time job, I would have laughed in your freaking face and I would have gone, there's no way <laughs> that's going to happen. Right. But I would have been like, no. Just right. like, <laughs> yeah. And it's, and, and that's the thing. Like you can put in a ton, a ton of work, but unless you do it the right way and no, there, nobody knows what the right way is. There's just some virtual entity out there that like determines right and wrong and who's lucky and who's not. And you have to put in a ton, a ton of work and maybe, maybe it will be successful after all that work and maybe it won't i think we're saying i think we're saying georgian give it a go if you want to give Good it luck. a go <laughs> yeah no well i think we don't want it to completely just, like, crush the dreams of all these potential bloggers i think we're saying give it a you know definitely go for it but don't go into it assuming that it's going to be your big money maker from day one i think that's yeah the thing don't go into it for a payday like do it because you want to. Yeah. And then grow it into something if that's what you want to, you know, grow it into. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, in my case, because then you get, then you get like the return is emotional to begin with, you know, like, like you're still getting something out of it because it's something you like to do or something that you feel has value. And then you get the return on it and later you'll get the monetary return on it. 100%. People don't, I don't have any ads on my blog and not this one, not my previous one. And the reason I don't is because nobody would agree to advertise with me. Oh, for real? Yep. That's super funny. So I, <laughs> when I had my old blog, which was a personal one, it was not a work related one. And when I had, when I first started the business of baking, I was like, Oh, I'll get some advertisers, blah, blah, blah. I pounded the pavement for a solid year trying to get people to advertise. And here's why it didn't work. It didn't work because people were like, nobody wants to know about the business stuff. Unless you're willing to put a whole bunch of pretty pictures of cake, nobody's going to read it. So I didn't yeah, have- Yeah, little do they know. Right? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have the traffic. I, I just didn't have the traffic that they wanted to see the numbers. And the mm -hmm. other thing is that our industry, baking as a whole, is a little bit old fashioned. And going to Wilton yes. four years ago and saying, hey, Wilton, will you put an ad on my blog? They were like, what? No. <laughs> they were like, what's a blog? And why would we do that? Not so Wilton. Right? You know, I mean, God bless Wilton. I love them. They, I started my career using all Wilton products. But I went to them and I was like, listen, I have all these people who are going to keep buying your product. I like, it did not work. I went to, I can't, dozens of companies. And every single one of them, wow. like, what is a blog? And why would anybody want to know anything about business? Like, mm, you kill me. So I actually, the traditional ways that people monetize blogs, I couldn't do. It just didn't work. I tried. I desperately, desperately tried. And it did not work. So there you go. Interesting. Yeah. So now. So what did you end up doing? I ended up teaching. I ended up teaching a live class. It was a three-hour how to start a cake business class here in Melbourne. I charged $100 to do this three-hour class, which now I laugh at myself That's for awesome. that. But whatever. <laughs> and like the first one, I had four people show up. And then like the next time I ran it, I had six people show up. And then the next time I ran it, I had eight people show up. And to this day, my blog, the blog itself is not monetized at all. I do. Wow. I do not make a single dollar from the actual blog itself. Every dollar I make, which now feeds my children and educates them and whatever, comes entirely <laughs> from things I do around the blog. 
So live classes and the book and Craftsy and all that kind of jazz. It's basically a business card. Yeah, a really time-consuming, expensive, super fun card. <laughs> which is Slash baby. <laughs> which the book was as well, by the way. Like, I think books are just like a really expensive business card as well. But, you know, yes. worth it. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, you go the route of traditional blogging or blogging income, and it simply does not work. And, you know, in the case of yourself, I know Shauna McGreevy does this. I know Sharon Wee does this. A lot of you guys have like the Amazon links to products at the bottom of your uh, posts. And that's another form of monetization. I can't do that because the best I can link to is like a book about how to market. <laughs> I can't really link to a spatula. Here's, it doesn't work for me. Here's a pencil. It's my favorite kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's, a, here's some like cool stationery. Like it, doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. So there you go. Sometimes you, you have a blog and the blog earns income, but not from the actual page. It's, it's virtually impossible for me to link yes. to anything. So I had to go and create... Uh, <laughs> other things that link to it but i'm telling you literally do you know how many i look at it now sent so many embarrassing emails to like wilton and satin <laughs> everybody you can think of basically going please can you like take out an ad for like 50 bucks a month none of them would do it none not one <laughs> bet you they're all shaking their heads now good for you for trying <laughs> yeah well you know what i didn't know any other i at the time i joined a lot of like blogging groups and stuff like on facebook and i read the book pro blogger if anybody out there wants to blog yes. i highly recommend reading that book um or joining the pro blogger network which is just well worth joining so i read pro, pro blogger and i you know looked at all these groups and everybody was like you need a media kit and you need to like start asking people to advertise oh my gosh. <laughs> that did not i tried all of this stuff it didn't work I, and I tried for months. Yeah, there's definitely, definitely no one size fits all for blogging. <laughs> Not at all, right? So now, when people ask you, Jan, what you do now, what do you say? Do you like, I'm a teacher, I'm a blogger, I'm a baker, I'm a writer? Like, what do you say? When people say, what do you do? Like strangers, what do you say? <laughs> I tell them uh, I make cookies a lot. <laughs> I actually avoid it. I, yeah, I, I avoid explaining what I can do if I can help it. Just because it, you have to use like tons of words and then you kind of come off sounding like you're something that you're not. But if people press me, then I'll say something like, I teach people to make fancy decorated cookies. I, do, I tell them I do video and picture tutorials and that I teach classes. So mostly I emphasize the teaching part of it, but also the cookies. So you are wandering around like Salt Lake City and people do not know that you are like kind of a big deal. <laughs> Still a person that my kids hate. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. I can't imagine them hating somebody who makes cookies. What do you mean? You probably like smell like vanilla and you're probably like cuddly and stuff. <laughs> How can they hate that? Like all of my neighbors know because I'm always trying to give them cookies. It'll be like like February and I'm giving them like St. Patrick's Day cookies or Easter cookies or like I had some like beach. No, no. So last summer I had made cookies for like a cookie calendar and it was for like January. So I have all these January cookies that I'm trying to like foist off onto all my neighbors and they're like, uh, do you have any Rice Krispies? Like, <laughs> nobody even wants them anymore. <laughs> they're over the damn cookies is what they're telling you. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we've had our fill. <laughs> Wait, isn't there that, isn't there like a, there, I'm sure I've seen it. Isn't there like a fake cookie you can decorate on? Like a practice cookie? I'm sure I've seen that product. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're just one shape though, like the circle ones. It's called a not a cookie. Oh, of course. You need all the different shapes to then be, oh. Yeah. Because I'm like, just make a bunch of like styrofoam cookies or something. <laughs> that, that wouldn't work. Like, even my kids won't eat them now. They're like, uh, can we just, it's funny. They call them like they, chocolate chip cookies. They call them round cookies because I make like every shape but round. So they're like, can we just have the round cookies? That's hilarious. They don't know like the difference. <laughs> Ah. everything has a shape <laughs> like no please mom no more cookies like we're over the mom can you just make like meatballs like every other mother in this town like, mom, you have to make these what about some chicken nuggets here <laughs> all right well let's okay so let's talk about the kids actually because the kids is a big thing right so most people right not everyone obviously but most people i meet in this industry uh tend to be parents and they tend to be parents because 
they like went on maternity leave for their first kid or they didn't, they had a first child and they wanted to try making that kid's first birthday cake. This is a very common reason for me. Right. And they try it and they're like, hey, that wasn't so hard. Or they take it to the party and some other mom is like, you should so sell You should totally sell these. (laughs) Right? But but the, 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 and so that's why a lot of us end up in it. But the opposite I know is also true, which is that one of the main reasons people tell me that they don't follow their dreams of business or making it into something bigger is because of their kids. So they tell me it's a lack of time or it's a lack of money or the big one I hear a lot is I can't choose my dreams and my choices over my kids. And they feel like by devoting time or money or effort to you know, a blog or a business or whatever, it's like they're shortchanging their kids kind of. Now, I have never felt that way because I never, uh, well, I'm not, I I adore my children, but I'm not, uh, I I always intended to work. So I never thought, I can't hack it as a stay-at-home mom. Like that, the truth of it is, if I had to be a stay-at-home mom, I would not, it's just not in my DNA. But you've got four little kids and you have grown this thing into something pretty amazing that I hope you are massively proud of. But tell me a little bit about that. Like you grew this thing while growing your kids. And I know you claim they hate you, but I can't imagine that's true because they're not (laughs) not teenagers yet. So they can't hate you yet. But tell me a little bit about your experience of being a mom to little kids and, and growing this because like, you know, you travel for work now. And so that would be something you need to think about, right? So tell me a little bit about yeah. your experience of growing babies and growing a blog. Well, I always tell people that um, mental health requires a tripod of value. And by that, I mean that you have to feel valued as a person by at least three distinct groups of people. So for me, I have my family, which I love fiercely, and I have my church, and then I have the cookie community, and it makes me a whole person. And that makes me a better stronger, happier mother than I could be, that I would be, you know, without, without having that. And I, I'm a mom that can make it to bedtime every day without freaking out in the laundry room because my child is having a tantrum for the 700th time that, I mean, hypothetically, right? That never happens. But it has been a struggle to balance my time because, as you know, kids require basically every spare second and every spare thought for the rest of your life. And I wish I could say that I have an easy answer, but the truth is I am constantly reevaluating where I spend my time. And I'm always trying to figure out what the best way like to do work versus spending time with my kids so that they still get the best part of me and not just the leftovers, which I think that's where mom guilt comes in is that you think that if you spend any time at all doing something else, then your kids are getting the leftovers. But the truth is, if you focus on your kids, if your kids are your priority, they will always be your priority. And I've, so for me, I've tried different things like setting working hours during the day. Like I'll work from 1 to 3 p.m. when they are supposed to be napping, which doesn't always work that way. Or um, I only work when everyone is asleep, which ends up with me being exhausted for days on end. I even tried getting up super early in the morning, and that only led to all of my children being awake by 5 a.m., cuddling with me on the couch while I'm trying to write blog posts. So really, like I said, there's no easy answer. But if you love what you do and you love your family, you'll figure it out. It's not, it's not easy. But if it makes you happy, it makes you happy. And you being happy makes your kids happy. Like, you don't have to, like, this, this whole mom guilt thing is something that the society is trying to press on you. But if you really pull it apart and you say, this makes me happy and my kids make me happy and they're happy and I'm happy, like, what's wrong with that? Like, we were talking earlier, like, like you have to hate your job to feel legit. You know, like, do you have to hate being a mom to feel legit as a mom? Like, no, you can do the stuff you love and you can love your kids and it can all be fantastic. Just like that, but obviously not as easy as just that. Well, I think you 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 hit the nail on your head that it's it's always evolving. As in, you know, all the greatest plants in the world don't account for kids who get sick or you getting sick or whatever. And I actually think the people who manage business and parenthood at the same time are the people who have actually just honed their ability to roll with it. <laughs> I'm awful. 
awful. Ask my husband. I am like the least flexible person in the world. So that is what stresses me out when I'm like, I had this whole day planned. I was going to do this blog post. I was going to take these pictures. And then my kids are, like you said, like they get sick all the time or they're just cranky. Or sometimes you just look at them with like all the love in your heart. And you're like, you just need me now more than cookies. And yeah. it is, it doesn't, I think it's a little frustrating for me, but it is so true that you have to be flexible and you have to constantly just reevaluate what's working and what's not working because there's no magic answer. And what, what is the magic answer on Tuesday is going to be complete rubbish on Wednesday. Right. <laughs> just, what's that expression? <laughs> there's some expression, Georgiana, uh, man plans and God laughs or something, something like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, you know, you can plan as much as you like, but truly yeah. life happens. <laughs> You know, I, I, one of the things for me that's, that is a major positive to being a working parent is actually the fact that I'm providing an example, particularly to my girls, that you yes. have to abandon your identity as everything else just to be a mother. And that's a real- You're thing. still a person. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. still a person. I have interests. I have, you know, professional interests. I have things I do outside of them. I have whatever. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it makes me a better mother, but I think also just as a woman, it makes me a really good example to my daughters. That you Yeah. Like in general, I feel like even at, like with my son, like I love to, to talk to them about all the things that we've done or like I locally, like my book and cookie cutters are being sold and I love to take them to the stores. I mean, part of me just loves it anyway. Right. Who doesn't love <laughs> that? But I, I show them, you know, I just want them to see that like, yeah, you know, like I was a stay at home mom in South Korea and look what I've done. Like the only thing that's going to limit you in life is yourself. Like if you want something, do it. Like don't, don't listen to what anyone else says or what logic dictates. Like you can be, so much more than you could dream of in this life. I do love that example that it sets for my kids as well. 100%. And, you know, I feel like I'm teaching them work ethic. I'm teaching them money management. I'm teaching them the art of just trying something and seeing what happens, you know? Like, I don't know yes, if this is going to yes, work, and, but I'm, we'll see what happens. And, and on top of that, like, I feel like there is a generationally it's kind of a generation where they get everything they want all the time and I worry about that a lot because you know I do want to provide for my children and I want them to be happy but I worry that they'll have that that notion that they deserve everything and I think sometimes it's okay for them not to have your attention for 10 minutes you know what I mean it's it's okay for them to see that like you have to work too and that's something that they need to accept I mean obviously like neglecting them for days on end is not okay but when they have to be patient and wait 15 minutes for an answer that's healthy for them to like have those boundaries as well yeah it's you know I have to say I think my kids have made my business better right it, you know in terms of you know when I was <laughs> well, when I was making cake right when I was making cake and my kids were toddlers I couldn't faff about all day on one order for 50,000 hours because they needed me. I had to learn to work faster. Yeah. And by learning to work faster, I made more money because obviously I wasn't spending that much on labor anymore. So there were definitely, <laughs> there was actually benefits to being pulled in more than one direction because I learned to, you know, ganache a cake faster than fast. I learned to cover a cake really, really fast. I learned to do things really quickly because I wanted my time spent with my family. And so if I wanted my time spent with my family, I had to learn to make caking really quick. And that could only be good for business. So kind of work. That is so true. You learned what matters. Yeah, you know. Like whether it's with the cake or the marketing, like, like if it's not important, then you kind of let it go. Yeah, you know, I recently um, spoke to, a, I did a webinar about um, moving into a, a storefront or moving to a location outside of home. And somebody said to me, I'm really worried that I'm going to have to like sleep there because at the moment I work at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever. And my answer to her was, wow. my answer to her was, you know, there might be the odd night where you have to like crash out on your work couch. But in reality, you will learn that every moment you spend there is a moment you are not spending with the people you love. You will learn to work faster. And very interestingly, a number of people responded to me and went, oh my God, I totally learned this lesson. I was like, yeah, the minute, you're not <laughs> the minute you're not at home, suddenly the luxury of sitting in front of, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever, making a rose, you know, to one rose taking an hour or whatever, that luxury disappears very, very quickly. It's just <laughs> gone, you know? Plus, plus when you don't have like your kids like screaming, I need help, I need help. You're also faster at what you do too. Yeah, no distractions, you're not constantly right? stopping. Fully. Yes. 
Okay, so let's, so let's talk about this business side of things and the money thing and the cookie years because this is what I'm super curious about. I have to, I do have to, I have a confession to make. <laughs> my confession, <laughs> my confession is that, so I teach live cake business classes, which cookie years do come to. And I pretty much every time say, when I get to the pricing section, I'm like, okay, guys, listen, pricing of cakes is not as hard as you think it is, but yes, it is something that requires a lot of thought and whatever. And I almost always in those classes say, spare a thought for our friends, the cookieers who are trying to convince people to spend like eight bucks on a six inch, <laughs> right? And I, I, you know, I don't like, I don't deride you guys, but I'm always like, if they can do it, we can do it. So come on, there's cookie people out there making money. So surely it shouldn't be that hard for us cake makers. Because we, we really struggle. We really struggle with getting people to see and understand the value and the time spent in creating those beautiful works of edible art. And I think for you guys, this challenge would be even bigger. Huge. Even bigger. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, <laughs> you can get two dozen Oreos for $4 at the grocery store. Right. right? Why would you pay $45 for a dozen? Right. And they're going to be gone in 10 seconds, right? I I just, I don't get this. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the fact that, (laughs) so cookiers have issues cake people don't have, which is one, it's pretty labor and like even more labor intensive than for us. I mean, you guys have to make like 15 colors for one cookie. (laughs) And then let's not even talk about all the different tips you got to use. And then let's not talk about the fact (laughs) You got to stick that thing in the dehydrator like 18 times before you finish it. And let it dry overnight. And the individual packaging and the ribbons with their little bows. Right. And then yeah. you have like butter bead. <laughs> and then you have like, you know, you had a little bit too much water and mm-hmm. that whatever. So your red dots on the white icing didn't, you, oh my God. <laughs> like I, I, the <laughs> amount of respect I have for people who do what you do is astounding because a lot, I've actually noticed a lot of times with cookies, you guys make it and it looks all perfect. And then like the very last step, something bleeds or something cracks or something, you know, like, <laughs> like you guys faces, like putting the eye on right, like a black right. eye becomes a pirate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about the money and cookies. How do you guys get around this issue? This would be a big issue. Like cookies are expensive uh-huh. because it costs a lot to produce them. So how do you guys get around this pricing thing? I mean, are there people out there, Georgian, making a full-time living just from custom cookies? Surely there are. Yes, absolutely there are. And those are the people, they realize the key is not spending your time trying to convince people that your cookies are worth as much as you charge, but they find the people that already agree with them. Because if you think about it, like some people won't pay more than $20 for a pair of jeans, right? And then there are people who will pay happily $700 for one pair of jeans. Those are the people you have to find. Because there will always, always be people in the market for cheap cookies that just want the cheapest thing out there. And there will always be people making cookies. Like there are people who charge like $12 for a dozen. That's that's a dollar a cookie. That's not okay. Right. And it's beyond ridiculous. Like you spend like 20 hours making those. Like why would you charge $12 for it? But, but I mean, there are people looking for those cookies and there are people making them. And that's, I mean, that's unfortunate. That's the way it is though. But you have to realize that not everybody, like, like they're not your audience. Like the people who like email you for a quote and they say, oh, I was hoping to spend $200 on 300 cookies. Like that's not your market. That's, that's not your audience. Like just keep going. And like, like the more you value your cookie, the more other you're going to find the people that value them as well. That's really all that they can hope for is to find the people that already value them because you're not going to convince somebody that's like out there looking for Oreo priced cookies that $45 a dozen is a deal, you know, like like you're not going to convince them of that. You just have to find good customers and then, you know, word of mouth and like looking out there like boutiques or like, um, but like, you know, advertising at like garage sales or Craigslist, not always a good idea. (laughs) Worst idea ever is what we're actually saying on that one. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like doing sales or like everyone who wants to, uh, like the big thing here in America is that everyone wants cookie decorators to donate their cookies. Like, oh, it's such a good cause. Like, like I probably get like two to three requests on a weekly basis for me to donate cookies to some worthwhile cause, which, you know, like they're honestly worthwhile causes, but like donating, I, 
cookies is never going to get you more business. You know, like we'll tell people your name, but like what you're telling people is that you give cookies away for free. You know, like, like people aren't going to want to come and pay you for cookies that clearly you give cookies away for free, but you have to build like your pricing reputation. Like people who pay for your cookies happily are people who are going to pass on your name to people that they're around. But people who like begrudgingly pay your prices, they're, they're never going to like recommend you to anyone else either. It is a tricky business and there's no magic bullet for it. But the key really is to remember that you have value. Your cookies have value and to wait for the right people to come along. How much does it annoy me that we're doing this on sound? Because I feel like if you were sitting next to me, I'd give you this like big hug and be like, you are my people. <laughs> and then we'd braid each other's hair and eat chocolate. Yes, but we would not, we would not eat cookies or cake, just quietly. We would be like, no. I feel like maybe not chocolate either. Maybe savory things. <laughs> I can so, never get enough chocolate. I'll be honest. <laughs> okay. Me neither, but let's not tell anybody all our secrets. So, so basically, you know, <laughs> what you said there is what I have spent the last four years of my life teaching, which is that you cannot, <laughs> you can't just slap a price on there and think that, yeah, people should so understand it. I hate it when people say to me, why don't my customers just get it? I'm like, because you're looking they never, for Why should customers. they? No, that's yeah. and, and why should, why should they get it? Like, like that's your job, you know, like, like make awesome things that awesome people want. Well, and also part of your job is going to find those right people. And yeah. You are yeah. hanging out and buy some. Don't stand outside you. Walmart trying to sell your cookies. <laughs> Correct. Correct. And, and if you are hanging out and buy swap sale groups, or if you are spending all your time, you know, lamenting the fact that nobody will ever pay me. Honestly, I think what you're failing at is not running a business. What you're failing at is understanding that part of being a business owner is going out there and finding the right people and marketing to the right people, not just marketing to whoever walks down the road. You know, it's not, yes, yes. it's not, if you build it, they will come. It's you build it, then you go <laughs> tell them it's there. And then they come. And then you grab them by the hand and walk them to your store and put it in their hands and say, now pay me. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I think we forget this. We think we can just make beautiful things and people can come up and, you know, everybody will love it. It doesn't work that way. Say, you know, to return just briefly to the blog conversation, you can't just write blog posts and hope that that's it. You have to actually then go tell people, hey, if you read my blog, you should come and see it, whatever. We don't understand or we don't appreciate that. Well, you know, we all got into this gig because we like the making, uh, but we stay in this gig because we learn to become good at the making and the talking about it or the selling it or the marketing it or whatever word you want to use, really. And, and I think that that makes people uncomfortable to put their, their, their creation out there and to say, this is worth something because like as a whole, like as human beings, we're kind of taught not to be like prideful that way. And I think that people think that marketing is being like, I'm freaking awesome. Look at this. You should pay me tons of money. But I mean, that is marketing and, and that's what you need to do. And you need to get over that weirdness of being, of, you know, like of feeling bad about like putting yourself out there like that. I think that's difficult for a lot of people. And if, if, if that's super difficult for them, they can have somebody else help them with the wording so that they're using, you know, like, like someone else is saying that it's amazing or awesome. And that sometimes that's easier for people than just putting it out there about themselves to begin with, because self-marketing is awkward to begin with. <laughs> it is awkward. My feeling on that is you don't, that's, you know, going up to somebody and saying I'm awesome is just one form of marketing. If that doesn't work for you, find a form that does work you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, he not everybody has to go to networking events. My famous story about networking events is I, um, as chatty as I am <laughs> and whatever, I'm pretty awkward at networking events, like extremely awkward. What? I don't believe you. No, 100%. It's because I'm six feet tall and I feel like a giant and I'm like, I, just, <laughs> I, can't, I can't cope at networking events. Not my thing. So I went to a networking event once where I was standing there looking so awkward and I was where I must have been wearing like black pants and a white shirt or something I can't remember now and a woman went up to me and asked me if she could get a drink like if I could get her like she thought I was a waitress because I was standing there oh, so no. awkwardly and so I didn't know <gasps> what to do and I didn't know what to say so I went and got her drink right Look at this. you did it <laughs> yeah well because I didn't know oh my God. I'm not a waitress or whatever <laughs> So I like, I was like, oh, uh, okay. And so I went and I went to the bar and I got a drink. And I was like, oh, thank you. I'm like, no problem. And I continued to stand there awkwardly. 
And then the event, the lunch, and we sat down. We had to like stand up and introduce ourselves. And we sat, I sat down. Oh no. Across from her. And the look of horror on her face was like, oh, like she was so humiliated. I am dying. (laughs) And I was like, and she's, she actually came up to me later and she apologized. I'm like, really, it's fine. And she's like, why didn't you just tell me no? And I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> so I got it. <laughs> I have not been a networking thing since then. I never want to. Okay, so, you get a pass on networking. <laughs> right. But, you know, I, like you have to work out what kind of marketing you can deal with and push yourself out of your comfort zone for sure and then do the stuff that works for you. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're a super interviewer, yeah. don't force yourself to go to networking events if that's not your thing, but definitely find other ways to do it. I think, I think the message I want to get across in this and my embarrassing story is just that you do have to do it. You do have to do it. Like you can't just think you'll get away with no marketing, right? yeah it's not a lemonade stand on the corner like you got to get out there right you got to get out there so I wanted to ask you just some like random kind of like fun questions so I'm excited to ask you like random fun questions so what is (laughs) because you know we've been all like serious um what is the best part about what you do and what's the worst part and you have to tell us the truth Um, Like, pretend you just, like, suck down a truth-telling pill. <laughs> I don't have an option. Right. I want to know, like, the real truth here. Like, come on, Georgian, lay it on me. Like, what is the <laughs> best part? It's probably the easiest one to answer. And then the worst part. Well, yeah, the best part is obviously the easiest. It's hands down connecting with people. Uh, when I started decorating cookies and blogging, um, I lived in South Korea. and I was alone. Like I was a young mom. I had young kids in a foreign country. I didn't speak Korean yet. And my husband was gone with his job for weeks on end. And um, I started blogging and it like literally brought the world into my living room. And I want to make sure that I I never lose that. I, even now I, I try to answer every comment and every email I get, because to me, people are the reason why I do this. People matter you know like like that's that's the best part is that I get to still connect with people and I have this whole community of people I have this leg of my tripod that makes me happy on a daily basis so like even like when I post my blog like each post and then I like put up on social media it's that connecting that I love the most the worst part (laughs) trying to get rid of all the cookies probably Oh, well, it's a toss up between trying to eat healthy when I have cookies around all the time um, and the late hours, because when it comes down to it, I am a mom of four kids and I am a person with, you know, I have a husband, I have friends, I have a real life and, and that will always come first. And sometimes that means that my cookie life starts at 11 p.m. when everyone else is finally in bed for the day and all I want to do is sleep. But if if I want to make it happen, then it has to happen, you know, in the middle of the night when everyone's sleeping. That's probably the worst part. It's just making myself do it when all I want to do is go to bed. But you know what, Georgianne, that's a choice. As in, you, yeah. you choose yeah. to keep it going and you also choose to be a full-time parent. And so therefore, sometimes that means making the hard choices. Right. And yeah. that's, so what you're saying is I do this to myself, right? That's what you're telling me. Yeah. But what I'm, but what I'm telling you, is that <laughs> that, that's an indicator of how important it is. To you. So I'm actually, it's true. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% supporting <laughs> and applauding your crazy late nights because I'm of the belief that if it's important to you, you'll make it happen. And if it's not, you'll make excuses. So it's true. It's true because clearly uh, the eating healthy, the running every day, like I don't make time for that. So Right. But, but, you know, I think but that, cookies. well, we choose, we choose what's important to us. If we're going to, let's draw a really long bow here. Right. When we talk about pricing and our products, if it's not important to people, they want to spend 12 bucks for 12 cookies. Yeah. If, if it's important to them, then $48 a dozen or whatever it is, no big thing because it's something they value. And when you value something, you will dedicate time and money and you will sacrifice sleep and sleep. And whatever it takes. Right. By all means necessary, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I actually really applaud that. 
So I thought I'd ask you one question about cookies. I know I said I wasn't going to ask you anything like specific cookie, but I feel like I need to. <laughs> um, so you've been creating cookies since about 2010, which means seven years of cookies, which I feel is like 10 billion cookies. But this means that you have, <laughs> seen, you have seen a lot of cookie trends come and go, and you've started some yourself. Is there a cookie trend you don't like? So at the moment with cake, naked cakes are a big thing for us. I'm sure you've seen those cakes that are like undecorated. Yeah. I really think they look cool and they're cheap to make. So I like them from that point of view. But, <laughs> but visually, I'm like, really? <laughs> so, and I, right, like, why are they so popular? I don't know. They're, they're good for business because they're cheap and fast. But I don't know. They don't make me very excited. Yeah. And Basically, also, you just come coat a cake and send it out the door. Right. I'm also not a big fan of drip cakes because I think that when they're done right, they look really cool. Oh. When they're done wrong, it looks like people just threw trash on there and I don't like it. So that's my like style or trend in cake. I'm not a big fan of. Also, since I'm just bashing cake for today, I'm not a fan of geo cakes. <laughs> I think they look, the first one looks amazing. Everyone after that has too much anatomically like no i can't handle geode cakes it looks too much <laughs> like bits i don't like so is there a cookie trend <laughs> that you are like no to the no i don't like these <laughs> right now you, oh, never, you I, never look at a geode cake again the same way just so you know i can't even think of a geode cake the same way now <laughs> right right they all look like girl parts i don't know what to do with those suckers but anyway oh that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> all right so confession i want to know what cookie trend you don't like sprinkles kind of it sprinkles kind of like the um yeah, like, yeah. Okay, so, like, ever, like custom sprinkles are, like, huge right now. But I think that, like, so everyone's, like, buying them up, and then they don't really know how to use them on a cookie, so they kind of just throw them on a cookie. I so it's, like, like sugar pearls and jimmies and sprinkles. Yeah, it's, it's really, um, I think, like, done well, it can look fantastic, and it's perfect. But I think it's just, I, people are going to hate me because everyone loves custom sprinkles. But I don't, I don't love sprinkles all over like decorated cookies I think it's weird weird texture between like the icing and like if you have like sugar pearls and jimmies and sanding sugar I don't know I don't love it it's a bit lazy. It's I'm a probably lazy. the only person in the world that doesn't love it but I think it's just like like the custom sprinkle mixes are super fun like on they a, on a cake you know like the on a cake or, or cake. just like in a bowl honestly in a bowl they're <laughs> super fun but like, what do you do with them after that? <laughs> I think you just buy them to have them because they look cool. <laughs> right? So I really think people are just trying to, like, justify buying them. So they, like, toss them on a cookie. But it's tricky to use them in a way that, like, makes sense versus just – but it's like the drip cakes, you know? It's like somebody just, like, opened a bag of candy and tossed it on a cake. Yeah, not a good like, – kind of has bad Maybe we need to convince the sprinkle – the custom sprinkle mix people to, like – start marketing it as like home decor so you just like put it in bowls <laughs> in your house so build looks- up a base yes it's brilliant you know what i actually i have not seen this on a cookie so now this makes me want to go stalk instagram but i actually think from an eating point of view that wouldn't be that pleasant there's a lot of textures going on there yeah i, I think like- kids would love it because kids love everything but i might need some dental oh, work I after love. i eat one of those <laughs> right like sugar pearls are basically like jawbreakers yes they are jawbreakers tiny little bowls of evil is what they are but yes oh my god <laughs> on a cookie yeah on a cookie <laughs> you know which, ki- which cookie trend i think is freaking amazing and admittedly as a business mentor i love it because it's quick is stenciling with airbrushing on cookies Oh, oh yeah. My God. I am like, that is the easiest way to cut the labor <laughs> in like to quarter time. And they look cool. They look cool. Yeah. Especially if you do like like more than one like so if you'll airbrush and then like pipe a little something on it, then it's yes. like, oh my gosh, it's freaking amazing with like almost no effort at all. Yes. Yeah. I am so in addition to being obsessed <laughs> with your videos and Amber's videos and everybody else's cookie videos, <laughs> I'm obsessed with stencil bell. I don't know if you know Stencil Bell. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm like, let me just watch those videos all day long. Like, obsession time. (laughs) Have you met her? She lives in Sydney. I have not met her. Super close, right? 
Well, no, it's only like, you know, half an hour flight, but I'm in Sydney plenty of time. You know what? I'm going to put that on my bucket list of things to do is meet her. Well, I guess she's I... not in Sydney. I think she's an hour outside of Sydney, but you guys should totally meet up. Road trip, man. So I freaking love her <laughs> stencils and like her multi-part ones. And I think stencils- Yes, and the blockers. So brilliant. Oh my God. And brilliant from a money point of view because you can decorate cookies yes. way faster. So I, like, I look at it and I think, okay, if you were a traditional cookie maker with the royal and everything, you could make some pretty spectacular cookie platters where like 50% of them were airbrushed and 50% of them were more traditional and it would still look amazing in a set or whatever. And half the time. Yeah. yeah. So cool, right? Uh, I'm obsessed with the whole thing. Yes. I'm, I'm obsessed with that whole thing. <laughs> video, the cookie video. Actually, just briefly, from a social media point of view, I actually think cookiers are way ahead of the curve. You guys are way ahead of the curve from leveraging video and social media. I think you guys have done that brilliantly for a long time, way better than any other food Um Way better than any other foodie group out there, I think. So, yay, cookie ears on that. Okay, if you could <laughs> go back. like mesmerizing videos. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed, man. If you could go back and meet, re-meet your former self, you know, back in 2010 or whatever it was, pre-cookie, <laughs> what, would you tell, what would you tell her? What would you say? You'd be like, ask Georgian, here is what I want you to know about your future. What would you tell her? I would say this is going to be awesome because <laughs> at the time I was so like, okay, secret time right here. My husband did not love that I started decorating cookies. He hated it. He hated that I had a blog and he was like, I don't think you should be wasting your time on that. Like, I, I think it's just, you know, it's like a waste of time, a waste of resources. Like you'll never make money with it. And I was like, I don't do my blog for money. I do it for me. You know, that whole thing. And so there was a lot, I was like, I guess apprehensive at the time. Like, will this work out? Will it, you know, will I be justified? Am I just wasting time? You know, I didn't, I didn't know that, but I think if I could go back and be like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It would just, I would be happier. <laughs> earlier on <laughs> how does he feel about it now <laughs> oh he thinks it's awesome now <laughs> all right now now he's like i'm on board with this cookie thing. <laughs> he's like wait a minute like you actually make money i get cookies all the time we go to he actually came with me to australia when i came to melbourne last in august and um like like when i was teaching he's like actually i kind of like this cookie thing <laughs> I think that was the real turning point where he's like, you can do what you want. I love it. <laughs> Suddenly he worked out that there's benefits for him in this whole thing. And he's like, he's, on I know, he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Usually, usually with, with male partners, and I, I am generalizing here a little bit, but usually with male partners, the sticking point is the money. As in, they're not, yeah. they're not supportive until they see the money coming in or, or like that, they get to travel with you or something. And they go, oh oh, this isn't so bad. You know, suddenly they're super supportive <laughs> when there's like money or something coming into it. Because I think they, they just don't feel the same emotional um, payback. Someone once told me that, yeah, that men um, need, feel the need to be respected and that women feel the need to be loved. And again, that's a broad generalization. But I feel that that's true. Like with blogging, like women love to be loved and men are like, who cares? Yeah. You know, but like, like the financial aspect of it or like respect or like when I taught at cookie con, then my husband was like, yeah, you're awesome. You know, like, like it's that like respect aspect of it that he finally got like how I feel value from having a blogger from decorating cookies. But yeah, yeah I don't but think this is, but this, is the, this is the challenge for me doing what I do is that I have to tell people that you actually need both, you know, you do need, yeah. you're going to run this as a business. You can't do it kind of for the love only. It has to be for the love and the money because the money allows you to both love your customers better. It allows you to love your children better as in you can provide for your family or whatever better. Like the money for me is not the only thing. It's the money and the love. And sometimes one mm -hmm. is bigger than the other, but they both have to be there for me in order for me to feel like the business is worth it. So. Yeah, and if you don't have both of them, eventually you're just gonna get burned out. Oh, like in your, yes. it's and then it'll be over. Like, and either way, like if you have just the love, then you'll get burned out. Or if you're just getting money and you don't love it, then you'll get burned out. Like if you don't have both, for sure, it's not gonna last. 
Well, I think, you know, I think if there's too much love and not enough money, you start to feel really <laughs> resentful. And if there's too much money, and yes. not enough love, you start to feel like a factory. So there has to be, you know, a di- like I said, a right me, balance. Yeah, for me at different times, those things are proportionally a little bit different. Like sometimes I need it to be about the money for the next six months. And then once I've sorted that out, I can be more about the love. So, so for me, sometimes those things, they're not necessarily equal. And at different points in my business, different things have been important to me, but they've always both been there, which I think is what has kept me doing it for sure. And see, that what, that's what makes you a lucky person. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't, know if, I don't know if I'd call it luck. I'd call it hard work and a willingness. Less. Just How about that? Mind. Yes. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of luck, uh, but mostly I think, you know, I always tell my kids that I'd rather run the race and come dead last than not run the race. And so my whole life yeah. like that, where I'm just like, I'm going to try this and see if it works and see what happens, right? I'm gonna try this and see if it works and see what happens. But I'm constantly trying to because I'm like, well, if I don't try it, then I've already lost. So what's the point of that? You know? So Right? Like I live my life thinking I could do that. Yeah, maybe I can't, but I'll let somebody else or I'll, I'll let myself prove it to me that I can't do it before I think that I can. Yeah, right. But maybe I can. You know, I, you know, Georgianne, you would probably call that a, in part, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you would probably call it in part faith, right? Like having faith. And I'm, I'm not religious and, and churches are not part of my life or whatever, but I have my own kind of faith that's much the same. You just sometimes have to believe and go for it and see what happens. That's it. And sometimes it's confidence too, you know, just, yeah, that can work. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times I, and, say to, yeah. I say to my husband, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. I truly have no idea. I just, <laughs> I just know that I'm going to do it. But like, I just know I'm going to make it happen. But I somehow I will. <laughs> somehow I will. And you know, the truth is that usually the journey to get there is almost always not what I thought it would be. But the end result <laughs> always works out all right. Right. Well, so sometimes it's a complete failure but then you move on <laughs> well when it's a complete failure i think you kind of get up and you dust yourself off and you're like yep screw and that. you try something else yeah, yeah. You're like, <laughs> okay next thing right okay and the thing is the lessons you learn from the failure almost always make the next thing better anyway so you know all right yeah it's it was a bit and yeah the light bulb right the guy who met the light bulb he's like i've just learned 77 ways that didn't work yeah, or um, whatever it was. Yeah. A lot of ways it didn't work, which got him to the one that did work, right? Actually, that would be true for you cookie people too, because you're like, okay, that bit of piping didn't work. Scrape it off. <laughs> that bit of piping. Garbage. <laughs> right, garbage. <laughs> All right, so I, I know that you, you have kids to go back to and a life to go back to, although I feel like I could talk to you for like 20 years. But here is my official <laughs> last question, which is this. I want you to finish this sentence. If I was not a cookie maker slash blogger slash awesome all around person in this industry, <laughs> I'd be blank. Asleep. <laughs> Does okay, that count? But I meant, that counts, but I meant from a career point of view. If this, if this, asleep counts, well, if this wasn't your thing, what would be your thing? Because I feel like well, I'm, you'd have a thing. You'd have a thing. It's true. Like I'm a creator. There's, there's just something in me that compels me to create, to make, to do. So I'd probably be refinishing furniture or writing a food blog or learning how to do that fancy calligraphy lettering stuff. Ooh, lettering's big now. Or, right? Hand lettering is so pretty. I actually like bought like a class that would teach me how to do it, but you know, I have no time at all. So there it sits. But someday... One day when I break my arm and I can't make cookies, then no, oh wait, then to, I couldn't do it. No, anymore. you need to come up with a design that requires you to do it on cookies. Ooh, very like I'm currently learning how to wa- make watercolor roses because I want to paint those on my cookies. Well, see, Just an excuse. <laughs> I think if you can relate everything back to a cookie, you'll you'll kind of be okay, right? <laughs> Actually, I feel like any so skill true. in the world, you just have to be like, how can I stick this on a cookie? And then, and then it'll suddenly become more important. <laughs> it's so true. I'm like, I think carpentry, if I could just somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You can like cut your own custom shapes with like a bandsaw or something. See, there we go. I can like build 3D houses out of cookies. <laughs> 
Well, hey, Julia Usher does that. She builds some crazy stuff. She does. It's true. Yeah, she, and the, there's a girl called the Cookie Architect. Like, she's an architect, and she builds, like, actual yeah, buildings Na- out of Na- cookie. Naomi Weld. She's a real architect in real life, and she's a cookie architect. She's both. I've interviewed her, actually. She's amazing. I know. Very cool. She's great. so fun, right? <laughs> all right, gorgeous Jojan. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. I think we all learned a lot, including that cookiers have exactly the same problems that cake makers do, which should come as no surprise to anyone because baking is baking, and baking <laughs> is baking, really, and business is business is business. But I really appreciate your time today. You have been absolutely amazing. For those of you who want to know more about Lala Loa or Jojan herself, when I put this on the blog, you will have notes, links, whatever, so you can stalk her on social media as much as I stalk her or purchase her craftsy class or her book or any of the other amazing things she has created over the last seven years of being in the cookie biz. For those of you who are like, okay, Michelle, I'm already obsessed with cookies. Well, just kind of keep going. I feel no need for you to stop really. Show notes will appear on <laughs> baking.com and you can follow both uh, Georgiana lilaloa.com L I L A L O A. Com, but we'll put the link. You got it. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Took me a minute there. Uh, but we'll see you guys uh, on the blog and on social media. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. And as always, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.